My name is Lars. I want to welcome everybody that's physically in this room. And I also want to uh, welcome everybody that is online. We have folks from Iron River, Wisconsin, and from uh, Casper, Wyoming, that are tuning in this morning, uh, watching the church services. So welcome, everybody. Um, we, are, we, are, um, we are online. Did you know that? Did you know that we're online? Okay, good. So do we have that picture? Thanks. So this coming week, yes, look at that picture. This coming week is the week that we mark our one-year anniversary of being online, having online services. Yep. So that's pretty cool. Um, we kind of started out with my iPhone. It's back there. Actually, we're using iPhones right now for side cameras. But we started out with an iPhone, a lapel microphone, a Yeti microphone. And the first service that we did was really live. Like, it was so funny. Well, it wasn't funny at all. It was not funny at all. But it was funny. It was funny afterwards. Uh, because we're all scurrying around like, okay, so how are you going to do this? You've got to be really quiet because we're live. We did it right out in the lobby. So the worship team that you see right there, uh, they were doing their thing. They were, they were worshiping, and then they kind of like tiptoed around us. And then uh, we moved the webcam, which is what we were using at the time, and focused in on Pastor Wilcox. It was pretty good. But we've, uh, <laughs> oh, there he is. There's that handsome guy. Woo, look at him. So, so, Paul is, yeah, that's my guy. So, um, so I want to do two things. I want to thank you, Choice Baptist Church, whether you're here in this building or whether you're online. I want to thank you for two things. I want to thank you for your patience. Um, and I mean this sincerely. When I was thinking of what to say with regard to this, I thank you for your patience because when I went back and looked at the videos, because that's my job here at Choice Baptist Church is to do that stuff. And so when I went back and looked at the videos, I was like, oh, man, they were so not good. And so the, the video was bad, the audio was bad, but you kind of hung in there with us and we got better over time. Um, and I want to thank you for giving because your giving has given us the ability to build the Starship Enterprise back there where we can actually broadcast everything. And not only that, but all of the, yes, thank you very much. I mean that too. So it's all of this. Every cable has been rerun, every Ethernet cable, everything in this part of the building has been rerun, has been rerun so we can preach the gospel online to a lost and, un and dying world. That's what it's for. It's for us for sure, but it's for people that don't know Jesus. That's what it's for. Um, I also want to thank the worship team, and I want to thank the AV team, because you cannot begin to imagine how many hours went into, like, free hours that went into building this, putting that together, and doing all of this. I cannot even begin to describe, I started to lose count, how many hours that the worship team and the AV team put into doing all of this. Um, so thank you all. You all are so, so awesome. And I mean that from the very depths of my heart. Yes, and Steve's back there going, yeah. So um, I'm going to start off our Bible study with a quick story. Uh, many years ago um, when I was a Marine, I had the opportunity to work in the White House as an airborne communication systems engineer and a presidential communications officer. So that just means that I traveled with the president. I started with the late George H. Bush, and then I served, served eight years with President Clinton. When President 
Bush lost the race, uh, I believe it was 1992, um, to President Clinton, he decided he wanted to go say goodbye to the troops in Somalia. There were a lot of troops in Somalia. And so we flew to Somalia. We spent about a month there. And while we were there, we flew around from place to place, kind of, I'm going to call them cities, but they're not really cities. So we flew around from city to city visiting the troops. And in one place called Bali Dogal, um, there was this relief camp that was there. There were troops there for sure, but there was also a relief camp there. And so <clears throat> we did the trip there. We flew from the ship to Bali Dogal three times, a uh, total of three or four times, uh, to rehearse, and then we actually had the president on board. And so we flew to Ballydoga, we landed, and the kids in this relief camp were everywhere. I'm not kidding you, they were like everywhere. I don't know if you've ever seen the Compassion International commercials on TV. It's usually on late, 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 late night TV. Well, the kids are being held and their bellies are a little distended and you're like, oh, that's horrible. This was that place. This was that place. And so while we're flying back from Valley Dogal back to the USS Tripoli, the president that I were sitting in the back of the helicopter with other folks, of course, but we were talking about, the, he's a former uh, uh, pilot, so he was like, how fast are we going? You know, how, what's our altitude? Because we're really going fast. And he was like, so Lars, where's the justice in that? Where's the justice in that? And you know what, for a couple of months, maybe more than that, for, for a couple of months, my heart grieved for those kids. It's asking the question, where is the justice in that? And so maybe you're sitting here this morning, especially over the course of the past year, and you go, this, this, this time that we've had over this past year has been horrible. Why is life not fair? Why do good people get bad things and bad people get good things? Why does that happen? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> but we are going to talk about the justice of God. And so over the past few weeks, Pastor Will Cox has talked about the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God. Last week, Pastor Ryan talked about the wisdom of God. And I want you to understand who we're talking about this morning. I'm just going to give you a quick example. In, um, in Nehemiah's time, when they finished building the wall, they, they, if you know what I'm talking about, they got done building the wall. And so they would have their church services. And every time the Bible was read, they would stand out of reverence for God, they would stand up. Here's our God. God is gracious, present tense. All of these are present tense. God is merciful. God is love. God is faithful. God is infinite. He has no beginning and he has no end. God is immutable. That means he does not change. God is self-sufficient. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. And God is, present tense, glorious. This is why we are here today whether you're online in your pajamas or whether you're in this building, because of this God that we serve, that we get to serve. And today we're going to talk about that attribute called justice. You see, he is infinitely, unchangeably right and perfect in all that he does. Justice is a term used for what is right or as it should be. It's like an idea 
but not in God's economy, and I'm going to explain that in just a second. Justice is one of God's attributes that flows from his holiness. There is a reason in the book of Revelation where there are saints and angels around the throne room, and they are saying, holy, 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 from all eternity, holy, holy, holy. There's a reason for that. Because he and he alone is holy. And so justice and uh, righteousness are used synonymously in the Bible. If you're reading through the New King James Version, it is used 132 times in the Old Testament and approximately 30 to 35 times in the New, or yes, in the New Testament. A.W. Tozer writes this. He says this. Now I'm going to break this down for you a little bit. Justice embodies the idea of moral equity. I have to stop there. Justice embodies the idea of moral equity. It's the idea of moral equity. Judgment is the application of equity to moral situations and may be favorable or unfavorable according to whether the one under examination has been equitable or inequitable in heart and conduct. Justice is not an optional product of God's will. This is important for us to understand because a lot of times we tend to separate that part from him, from one of his attributes. Judge, uh, I'm sorry, justice is not an optional product of God's will, but an unchangeable principle of his very nature. Now, I want to explain something to you, and I don't want to get too heady on this, but I do want to explain something to you. So, Don, if you could throw up that slide. This is called, and I'm going to refer to this as the circle of attributes. This is not an all-inclusive list, but these are some of God's attributes. I want to say this about God's attributes as you look at that. There is not one attribute of God that is more important than any other attribute of God. They are working in perfect, utterly perfect harmony with each other all the time. Breathe in, breathe out. God is He's, he's executing and exercising his perfect will and all of his attributes perfectly in perfect harmony all of the time. Everybody got that? That's why I picked that graphic, because they are working together. They are not separate from each other. If you look at the top of the graphic, too, you'll see the word triune. And I want to make sure, a lot of churches, we do, but a lot of churches don't talk about the Trinity too much. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here's something that's really, really, really cool that I want you to cling on to. For, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. See, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit work in perfect harmony with each other. They work in perfect harmony with each other. They have and have had different roles throughout history, but they work in perfect harmony, harmony with each other. Now, you can drive, drop an extra five bucks in these boxes once you get done with this, but listen to this. The word parachoresis, it's a Greek word in my Greek class. This is a word, actually it's broken down into two words, which means around, uh, that's what peri means, is around, and the word chorine means to give away or to make room. Perichoresis. It's a Greek word that is perfect for describing the Trinity. 
perichoresis. So it's literally translated, and it means to go around or rotation or dance around. And so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are literally working in perfect, uh, perfect um, harmony with each other, dancing around each and every human being. This is in my mind's eye. And they're working and exercising their perfect attributes in us all of the time. It's amazing. So why is that important to us? If you're online, I'm going to speak to believers right now, and then I'm going to speak to people that are searching for God this morning. So this is important to us that we understand who God is and in a very brief uh, explanation of how he works. So we understand that we, when we accept Christ as our Savior, have the Holy Spirit in us, yes? Nod your head, yes. Yes, that's true. It is true that we have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So check this out. As he works in us, his perfect attributes can and must be displayed in our lives. That means that we can be holy. That means we can be just. That means we can be loving. That means we can be merciful and filled and give out grace. That is incredible to me because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. We can do that in our community. We can do this. We can do this here at Choice Baptist Church. We can do that in our community. We can do it wherever we work, play, study, and or shop. That's our job as believers. Don't be deceived that this is the only place you do this. We're in this community because we have been purposefully placed in this community. So, what would prevent us from exercising the judgment or justice that God has given to us? Well, I think that um, in order to understand what justice is, we need to fully understand what sin is. And I'm going to ask you a question, tell you a quick story, then I'm going to ask a question again. If you've been in a men's Bible study with me, you've known that I've asked this question before, and I want to ask this. How much sin does it take to affect your family or body of Christ? This morning, I don't answer out loud. Before you walked into this place or before you tuned in online, you're like, hey, we're going to check out church. We're going to check out the service this morning. Before you did any of that, did you get on bended knee beneath the shadow of the cross and confess your sins? Do you know it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to hear God's voice when you actively are participating in sin. So how much sin does it take to affect the whole body? When I was doing my very first Ironman race back in early 2000-something, I don't remember what year it was, I was preparing to take my bike and my family down to Panama City Beach so I could run this race. And I was, I was taking my bike off of the wall in our garage, and I was going to break it down and put it in our car. I clipped the quick of my right thumb with a rusty nail. And so I really didn't think about it. It bled for a little bit, but I didn't think about it. I, I did uh, put my bike away, and then I went in and washed my hands. But I tell you what, two days later, after I got to Panama City Beach, my whole thumb 
was huge. It was, my hand was throbbing. My forearm, my, my arm was just in a great deal of pain because my thumb was really infected. Hmm. That example is a little bitty like prick in the quick of my thumb. And it affects my whole body. So it affected me so much that when I was swimming, my hand would hurt. I eventually had to clip it open with a pair of fingernail clippers. And that's weird. I didn't even mean to say that. But I did. I already did. So I clipped it open. And then I covered it up with some bacitracin. And then I did the race. But the question still needs to be asked. How much sin does it take to affect the whole body? Actually, you know what? I'm going to go off the rail just a little bit here. I'm not going to even use my notes right now because I sense that we need to pray. Is that okay? Is that cool? So let me pray for us. Lord, um, just, I don't know, a few days ago when I asked this question of myself, um, you revealed in me that, wow, you know what? You really can't come to me with sin in your life, not knowingly. And so, Father, I ask that you would forgive the sins in this room and online. Please, I think I can intercede for folks. And that you would purify us from all unrighteousness, as 1 John 1, 9 says. And so, Father, I ask that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you can and will purify us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, now that we have fertile ground, I ask that your word would settle in the hearts of those who need to hear the gospel message and what justice is. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It says this in the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. In Micah chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil in their beds at morning um, at morning light, they practice it because it is the power of their hand. Yesterday, while I was blowing leaves in our yard, I was really having a good time talking to my father in heaven. And he really revealed some things to me. And one of these things is this. It's, it's this. Um, sin embodies everything, embodies everything that is contrary to God's holy nature, and it is a complete and utter offense to him. Let me read that to you again. This is what he spoke to me about. Sin embodies everything contrary to God's holy nature and is offensive to him. Now, here's what this is like. I got all teary-eyed while I'm blowing leaves while I'm thinking about this. Listen. But in God's economy, justice demands a penalty, and that penalty is death. And death means this, separation from God. That's part of his perfect attributes. In his economy, that's his justice. Let me read you something from the book of Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Then we're going to scooch down to verse 28. It says this in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to be to 
to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of what? I'm sorry, say that again. What does death mean? Separation from God. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's, that's serious. Sin is very, very, very serious. Now, back to blowing leaves in the yard. But knowing, this is something that just God just showed me, but knowing that God's perfect and unchanging justice is a unified part of his holy attributes. Listen to this. God sent his son to this earth to pay the penalty for sin. You see, God's mercy and grace are not implied, applied in spite of his justice, but because of his justice. You see, he loved us so much that despite the fact that our sin demands death, he sent his son to be our substitute on the cross, thus demonstrating that his justice was not violated, but instead satisfied by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is his justice. We deserve eternal separation from our Father in heaven. But because of his attributes, because of his love, because of his mercy, he has decided that justice will be executed on his Son so that we can have a relationship with him. I am speaking to the one who is searching for God this morning, whether you're in this room or whether you are online. Understand that God has had a plan to save you from the foundation of the world, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. For God did not send, or God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says in the book of 1 Thessalonians. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It says this, I want to share this with you. It says this in the book of 1 John. This is one of my favorite verses. But I got to tell you, that I, wanna, I just want to pause before I share this verse. And I want to speak to the people online, whether it's today, tomorrow, um, whether it's 100, 700 years from now, I don't care. Because the gospel message will never change. It just doesn't change. God, um, our Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are, immu are immutable. They do not change. The gospel message will not change. And one of the things about being online for me, and I've shared this with the leadership team here, it's not just about serving us online here so we can share the gospel message here. You're going to get a little bit into my es eschatological view. Is that how you say that? 
my eschatology. And so I believe that we're going to be raptured. I believe that the dead in Christ shall rise first, as the Bible says, and then we will be caught up with our Savior after that. After that happens, there's going to be people that are not saved. But you know what? There is going to be the message of Jesus Christ here that's online that they can see where they can be saved. So it's not just for us, and it's not just for our community. It's for those in the future. I don't know when Jesus is going to return, but I know that my job in this life is to preach the gospel or to make the gospel available. That's why I do what I do back there. In 1 John 1, 9, it says this, and this applies to the believer and the unbeliever, those who are searching. It says that if you confess your sins, here's an attribute of God, he is faithful. We just sang about that. We said that word 30 times just a few minutes ago. He is faithful. We sang about his faithfulness, his attribute, and he is just to forgive us of our sins. Just, that's another attribute of God. And to purify us from all unrighteousness. So how do we respond? Well, if you are searching for God this morning, or let me just speak to both right now again. I don't know, I said this in the first service, I don't know where anybody is spiritually, and I will never assume that you're on the mark all the time because I'm going to tell you the truth and transparent. I am never on the mark all the time. There are times in my life when I've seen horrible, horrible things where I've just said, where, where is the justice? And then just in my faith, I've become numb. Lord, you're all I have, but I don't even know how you can let that stuff happen. How do you let that stuff happen? For the non-believer, I will say this, even for the believer, if you find yourself in a point in your life, I am a believer, but you know what? My faith is dead. It's flat. I don't really care if I have a relationship with God. I just don't care. I know that I'm saved, but I really don't want to have a relationship with God. It's not about believer. It's not about being religious. Religious, religiousness is stupid, but having a relationship, a relationship with God means everything. Being religious will not get you to heaven. Coming to this building, listening online will not get you to heaven. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ will get you to heaven. So if you are here and you're flatlining your faith, or if you're searching for God at this time in your life, and you feel this weird stirring in your life, do not be afraid, if you're a believer or unbeliever, to ask the big question, God, are you real? I don't know how many times I've asked that question. I shared my testimony with you when I was a kid. I asked it a million times. God, are you real? Come on. Is the Bible true? And after being overseas so many times with so many people and weird circumstances where people are shooting at you and you just go, people will ask you, hey, man, you know, I really don't know where I'm going to go when I die. That's a big, fat question that even if you don't believe in God, you need to dig into that question. Just because it's a big question, even if it's not true, which I believe it is true that we will go to heaven, you're going somewhere. You're actually eternal beings now, right? 
You know that, right? You're just like passing through this right now, but if you know Christ, you're going to heaven. If you don't know Christ, you are not going to heaven. You are going to go to hell. That's what the Bible says. But it starts here. Whether you're searching or whether you are flatlining or whatever the case might be, maybe you're rejoicing with God right now. It starts here. It starts with having a real relationship with God. That's where it starts. A real one. Like I've told you before, if you've listened to me before, my testimony, my father is my father. I talk to him just like my father. Lord, I'm really struggling with this stuff. I'm really, really struggling. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for your abundance. I just talked to him like I would talk to my father. If you're searching this morning, it says this in the book of Psalm, chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. If you don't believe there is a God, go outside and look at the stars. Look at why the trees are blooming. I know there's a scientific explanation for that, but I gotta tell you, why does that happen? Why is there even science, man? Honestly, look at the nature of things around us, the beauty. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has put eternity in their hearts. If you are online this morning, don't care what year it is, but if you feel this weird yanking at your heart, that would be the Holy Spirit, and he wants you to come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are flatlining this morning in your spiritual walk and you feel this weird stir, please do not ignore that stirring. Respond to that stirring like, I am not doing the right things. I am living in sin, and I need not to live in sin. Let me tell you this, believer or person-searching non-believer. While I was blowing leaves yesterday again, this came to my mind. There is no sin that my Savior Jesus Christ is unwilling or unable to forgive. Let me say that again. There is no sin that my Savior is unable or unwilling to forgive. You can get on bended knee or you can sit in your chair right now as we sing these songs. And if you're living in sin, now's the time to take care of it. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, now's the time to take care of it. And it's really this simple. All you have to do is agree with God that, yes, sin is abhorrible and I need you as my Savior. Lord Jesus, God, I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. He knows you, though. I guarantee it. So if you're out there and you're like, I don't know, my heart's stirring, but I got to take care of this, and you just say, Lord, I agree that sin is bad. Please come into my life. You know what? If you just said that, you are saved. That means that you are going to go to heaven and that you are not going to go to hell. It is that simple. It says this in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Yes! I mean, we got to get excited about this. Well, we don't have to, but I tell you what, I do get excited about this. Because everlasting life with the Father is, is just the opposite of what it could be. And the thing of it is, is he's loved us from the foundation. It says in the book of Psalm 139 that he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knew how you were going to respond on this day. 
He knew that the word of God was going to be planted in your heart, and he knew how you were going or not going to respond. So what is the believer's response? What's our responsibility? It says this in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. So what does that mean practically? Well, we can stand up for justice. I brought this up in the first service. I'm so proud of Pastor Wilcox. I told you that I worked in the White House for 11 years, and I've seen clergy, religious people run from politics like it's a disease. Our pastor runs to it. He tries to influence that. You know how good that is? Do you, do you really understand how good that is? You know what? I shared this story before. Many years ago, we had a super large uh, life group in our house, and this is while I was working at the White House, and I came home one night, this is after like my 10th year, and I came home, and I sat down, and I was getting ready to teach this big group of people who were going through the book of 1 John, and I said to the group, I said, you know what, I'm so sick of being around those people, meaning the politicians. I had been with them for so long. I've seen, I went through the whole Clinton administration. I won't even get into detail. But the thing of it is, is Sarah looked at me and she said, in front of everybody, and we had 70 people in our home. And she looked at me and she goes, dude, it is so not about you. It's about those people and God surrounding the lost and dying people with believers. Do you understand that? We have a job if the worship team could make their way up, up here. We can stand up for justice. It says this in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 15. You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall, sh you shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. We can cry out for the oppressed. We can stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. Let me wrap it up this way. In James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. All of this, everything that I've said this morning is about having a relationship with God. I have talked about justice. I've talked about his attributes. I've talked about his attributes working in perfect harmony with each other. But all of that starts with having a relationship with the God of the universe. And as I say that, I'm like, well, oh, that sounds so weird. The, I can have a relationship with the God of the universe? Yes, you can. You can. Even if you're flatlining right now or nothing's working out in your life and things aren't going how you thought they should be going or you're searching this morning and, or whatever the case might be. If God is speaking to you, I would pray that you would respond to him. Because if you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. And I know that because I know that my God is alive. You see, he's my hope. He's my savior. He's my hope. And there is not a person in this room, there's not a person on this planet that can rip off my hope from me. Because my savior is my savior. My father is my father. No one could ever take that away from me. 
He's alive. He's alive. And he is my hope. Let me close in prayer. Father, I, um, I love you. You know that in my limited capacity as a human being. Though the weird thing is this, Father, is I would argue with the, the Apostle Paul that I'm the chief of sinners. And yet you still love me and you still are um, able to and compelled to use me for your service. Thank you. God, I ask that that would be the case for everybody in this room. If they're a believer, Father, I pray that if they're kind of on the edge of, oh, I don't know what's going on in my life, I just don't know. Or if they're living in sin, I ask that you would reveal it to them and they would just stop it. If they're not, if they're just numb, Father, I ask that you would become fresh in their life. If they don't know you at all, Father, I pray right now that they would agree with you that sin is abhorrable and they would accept you as their Savior so their lives would be changed, not just today, but for eternity. Lord, I thank you for what you did on the cross. Jesus, I just can't imagine. From the very foundations of the world, when you said, let us, or when you, when you all three said, let us create man in our image, you were there and you knew the plan ahead of time. And yet you still went through with that plan, even though you knew that we were going to be haters of God, all that wicked stuff that I mentioned in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. You knew that. We were going to be in opposition with our Savior, yet because you had that in mind, you're... Yes, you're, we're going we're gonna to provide a way for you to be saved and have a relationship with us. Wow, what a remarkable, remarkable God you are. Thank you for all of your attributes. Thank you for your love. Your love is the reason we can love. Your mercy is because that's why we can be merciful. Your grace is the reason we can be grace-filled and exercise grace. And we definitely can exercise justice. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move in the hearts of those uh, that listen to this word this morning. Thank you for this time of study. Thank you for being our living hope, our God, our Savior, our friend. I love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.